The following is a message from the pulpit of Parkside Baptist Church in Mesquite, Texas, led by Pastor Mike Wells. Look it back in your Bible, please. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, plural, being made conformable, the Bible says, listen to it now, unto his death. Then the Bible says here, if by any means I might obtain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I've already obtained either, we're already perfect, but I follow after. Now watch what it says, that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brother, and I count not myself to have apprehended but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward, it says, the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I want to speak tonight on knowing Christ better. Uh, there's been some times in my life coming up as a young man, getting into my older teen years, where my dad would purchase a piece of property but wasn't satisfied with the property. I remember one time he purchased a piece of property and he wanted us to tear down the barn. Uh, it's not hard to tear down a barn if it's a small barn, if you will, but it's difficult, if you will, to tear down a barn if it's a large barn. And then when you want all the stones where they used to uh, use the stones as the, the foundational walls, around the barn uh, to be able to tear out those stones. Can I tell you that's a monumental type of task. And so he wanted all those stones to be able to be tore out. Then he reused those stones. He reutilized those stones, if you will. And I remember uh, several places over on the farm where Myrtle Wagner lived, the farm where I grew up at the beginning. Dad would take those stones, and there were some muddy pathways that would lead down to the chicken coops. And so he would take those stones, and he would make a pathway down to the chicken coop. And in one place on the farm, he put stone on top of a stone, not only to make the pathway, but to be able to step up in places that was hard to get into because uh, uh, Mrs. Wagner, Myrtle, was getting older and he wanted to make sure that she didn't have to step up so high to be able to get into those places. And our life is that way. Sometimes you have to tear down walls, uh, but uh, sometimes the material that's inside of those walls can be repurposed, if you will, uh, to be able to be more conformable to that which is our Savior, Jesus Christ, in our lives. Now, let's look at some things. There's some walls we ought to tear down as Christians, and there is some ways to be able to take those things that we tear down and be able to repurpose those so that we can get closer in knowing Christ better. Let me give you a wall, if I may. Statement number one, forget the past. Forget the past. Now, by the way, when I say forget the past, I don't, I don't mean forget where you grew up. I don't mean forget your address, okay? I'm talking about things that come across that hurt you, things that come across, if you will, please, whereby uh, you fell short of a goal, uh, things that uh, uh, would uh, uh, be able to stop you in serving Christ. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13, the Bible says, Brother, and I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are 
are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Now, it may be uh, that you uh, remember a past sin in your life and it just haunts you all the time. You would do yourself a favor to forget that. Give it to Christ, confess it, and move on. Uh, don't let that thing haunt you by holding on to you. It might be that you are bound in fleshly slavery simply because of the fact that your flesh is always creeping up. You ought to be able, as Paul said, to crucify the flesh and live unto Christ. And so that's a wall that we could take down. Statement number two, forgive others of personal pains. Forgive others of personal pains. Now, sometimes we'll go through life and somebody's going to say something to you that's unkind. Somebody's going to say something to you and they don't mean to dig at you, but they do. Uh, somebody might say something to you, just kind of crosses you the wrong way. Maybe you think they should have said it in a different spirit and, and, and you judge their spirit. And so uh, you say, well, I tell you what, that just, that caused me a lot of pain. The way they said that to me, I don't think they appreciate me no more. I don't think they love me anymore. I don't think they care about me anymore. Uh, you have to forgive uh, others of personal pains that they cause you. Uh, Matthew chapter 18 and verse 35, the Bible says, so likewise uh, shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if, here's the conditional clause, if ye from your hearts, from your hearts, it says, forgive everyone uh, his brother uh, their trespasses. You know, uh, I find that uh, uh, there, there are two things if a person has trouble forgiving someone else uh, that just uh, uh, just comes back and haunts them. Uh, if they don't truly forgive someone, and by the way, if you truly forgive someone, these things are not going to come back. Okay? Uh, and that is this. When you truly forgive someone, you'll stop bringing it up. You'll stop bringing it up. Well, I tell you, you didn't cook supper last night the way I wanted it cooked. Uh, all right? And, or whatever. Uh, you didn't mow the lawn, a wife says to the husband, the way I wanted it, uh, or the way it should be mown, according to the, 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 the neighborhood HOA. Uh, you know, uh, you, you, didn't, you didn't do this, or you didn't do that. Okay? Now, can I tell you, when you forgive somebody, you won't keep bringing it up and throwing it in their face. When you truly forgive someone, the people that keep bringing stuff up and throwing it back in somebody's face has never truly forgiven. Uh, statement number two, they don't seek revenge. When you truly forgive someone, you don't seek revenge. What is revenge? Well, uh, I'm going to make them pay for that. You know, I'm going to make I'm going to make sure they pay for that. I'm going to cut their tires. You know, I'm going to make them use a plastic straw while they live in California or New York City. Uh, you know, I'm going to make them pay. OK. All right. Now, may I say this? When you forgive others, then that stuff. And, and this is good for husbands and wives to learn. OK. Uh, this is good for children and parents to learn that when you forgive. So you say, oh, my mom, she's not perfect. We know that because she we know who she had. And, and that's you. All right. Uh, unperfect. Perfect moms create unperfect children. We're all sinners, amen. Now, can I tell you this? Uh, stop trying to be somebody that's perfect and holding everybody to your higher standard than a standard than God has. God forgives. You need to learn to forgive, okay? Uh, and so when your husband does something wrong, forgive him. You say, well, he's going to do it wrong again. I, I, I know. Well, she's going to do it wrong again. Yeah, I, I, know, I know that too. You know why? Because they're sinners. They're sinners. You didn't marry a saint. By the, uh, uh, hello? 
you married a sinner. Now, when I say saint, I mean in the, uh, in the definition of being somebody that's just absolutely perfect beyond par. Once you get saved, you become a saint. But can I tell you, even saints that are saved have trouble. They forget their halos from time to time. All right? So, uh, you know, forgive others of personal pains. When somebody causes you personal pain, uh, well, just because your husband says it this way, uh, come on now, that doesn't mean he always means what he said the way he said it. Well, you, you, you judge the way they said something than rather seeing the heart. Just because your wife says something that way, don't take it personal. And you know, if you always take things personal, you're always going to walk around and your marriage is always going to be in a mess. Because you're always taking things personal. I don't do that. You kids, learn to take orders from your parents without, without getting your emotions involved. Well, dad told me to take out the trash. I guess he doesn't love me. He didn't tell you to get in the trash. He told you to take out the trash. If he's telling you to take out the trash, that's okay. Don't get emotionally involved. Well, he didn't ask my brother to take out the trash, and it's his turn. Well, maybe your dad's been so busy, he's been working so hard trying to put food in your belly, he might have forgot. So give him grace, and by the way, just volunteer. You'll take out the trash for the next 32 years. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying don't, don't be these type of people, these type of people. And I'm saying that specifically. Don't be these type of people that's always holding grudges. Be quick to forgive, quick to restore, and then quick to rejoice. And you'll like life a whole lot better. You know, you won't walk around looking like somebody beat up your puppy. Now, I'm saying this. I, I'm saying, uh, uh, you know, for, for, forget the past. Forget the past. Forget the past. Right, you've got shortcomings in your life. Welcome to the Shortcomers Club. Well, you know, you went to preach a message. It didn't turn out right. Well, that's okay. Uh, most preachers' messages don't turn out right. Well, you know, you got up to sing a song. I thought that was amazing with uh, Mrs. Heminger singing that song. I'm thinking she's on like stanza number 42, and I'm still on stanza number one figuring out how did she get that out of that mouth that quick and do it so right. But can I tell you, listen, uh, forget the past when you mess up. Just forget the past. You get up to sing a song, and it doesn't turn out quite right. It's okay. It's all right. You go to show somebody how to be saved. You're excited. You go out soul winning and you're trying to talk to people about the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and that night you knock on 110 doors and 108 of those were slammed in your face and the other people didn't even want to track. It's all right. You're going to get up the next day. You're going to be able to go out the next day. Everything's going to be okay. Uh, you, you tried to get a job and nobody wants to hire you. You just keep trying. Somebody will want you. Somebody wants you. Forget the past. Statement number two, I said, forgive others of personal pains. Now, I'm, I'm reiterating this stuff because it needs to sink in deep. These are big walls that people have in their life. Well, you know, uh, uh, you know I just don't think that he appreciated me. I don't think that she, you know, we try to do this in our church. And as long as I pastor, I try to do the very best that I can that when people help out and they volunteer and I find out, I really do try to recognize people. I, I really do try and pat people on the back as much as I can. I, I try very hard to walk down the hallway. I come in the church auditorium early to shake hands and to love people, and I stay after church to help people and counsel people sometimes to the uh, midnight hour, you know, and can I tell you, uh, I do that not because I want some type of button. I do that because I actually do love you. Amen. 
But can I say, listen, forgive others a personal pain. Statement number next. Here's a building block. Ready? Uh, we've taken down two walls. Now here's your building block. Okay? Uh, fix your eyes on God's promises. Fix your, guy, your eyes on God's promises. Second uh, Peter chapter 1 and verse 4, the Bible says, Wherefore, uh, or sorry, it says, Whereby, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. All right, so God says this, uh, that there's precious promises. Now, uh, God's given you something precious. God's given you something precious. John Hamlin, I was preaching out in uh, Colorado Springs, and he said, you know, we're celebrating our 40th uh, anniversary in evangelism. 40 years we've been traveling America and preaching in churches across America. He said, let me tell you something exciting that happened to my wife. He said, my wife was in the ladies' restroom, and uh, my wife looked over, and it was a lady, I guess, that was there in the church, I guess, or if it was a conference, maybe in the conference, I'm not really sure of the setting. But he said, my wife looked over and this lady had a ring on her finger and my wife said oh that's a beautiful ring and the lady said you like that and I'm, I'm talking about carrots upon carrots upon carrots I'm talking about a very expensive piece of work and and the woman said you like that and she said well yeah it's a beautiful piece of work she said here it's yours took it off her finger, put it on her finger, and said I've always wanted to do something special for you but never could figure out what to do all right, now may I say this, okay, uh, fixing your eyes on the promises. Why has he been able to stay in that thing for 40 years? Well, I could dare say that he's probably kept his eyes on the promises. Uh, how can you be a Sunday school teacher for 40 years? Well, I would dare say that you probably need to keep your eyes on the promises. Uh, oh, preacher, well, how can I be a, a, a good mother? I always mess up. A good daddy, I always mess up. How can I be the right type of son, the right type of daughter? Well, uh, put your eyes on the promises. Uh, God has precious promises. And those promises, the Bible teaches that if you will partake of those, you'll not be carried away with that which is the corruption of the world. Statement number one, I said, forget the past, tear down the wall. I said, forgive others of personal pains a tear down the wall now use those uh, blocks if you will or those old gray stones if you will and lay out if you will a pathway for others to be able to follow for you to be able to stay on the right path how do you do that fix your eyes on God's promises statement number next uh, find your place to serve Find your place to serve. You know, I've seen those poor individuals that are on football teams and the coach never plays them. I really have pity for them. You say, well, they're not that good. Well, I understand, but uh, sometimes you're losing so bad that it doesn't matter who you put on the field, it's not going to change anything. And everybody deserves the right to play. And so I'm talking about high school or, or junior high. And so, so here's this poor guy just sitting over there, and everybody's having fun. Man, they're sacking people and hitting people. And, oh, man, it's just so fun. Bloody noses everywhere. And, they're, I mean, the boys are just having the time of their life. And so, uh, but this poor guy just sitting there, just sitting there, just sitting there. Now, now may I say this? May I say that uh, that's the same way it is in church. Somebody says, well, I tell you what, I, I'd like to join the choir, but it doesn't look like they need me. Oh, we need you. Well, I'd like to be in the nursery, but I just don't see that they would need me. Oh, there's a great need in the nursery. 
oh, but preacher, I'd like to maybe help in a Sunday school class, but I just don't know who to ask. There's great needs in the Sunday school class. You know, while you're sitting at your place and you're saying there's no place for me, God is sitting in his place and saying, I've got tons of places for you. Why don't you come? Uh, you know, you join a church. I know some people have joined our church and they come from smaller churches and they look at the church and, and they say, oh, there's just no place for me. You got so many people, but we have so many positions. The larger the church, the more positions you have. Right now, we need bus drivers. Like no man's business, we need bus drivers. I've got bus drivers like Brother Ahe uh, that would take and drive a bus. He'll be on the bus in the morning time, be on the bus in the afternoon time, be on the bus in the evening time. The guy lives on the bus. Sometimes we'll drive two or three buses and different routes, you know, uh, just because we don't have enough drivers. I'll tell you what, we need a bus mechanic. Somebody knows how to do bus mechanic work. Oh, we need a bus mechanic. Bad do we need a bus mechanic. Uh, we're trying to figure out what screw go or what, uh, yeah, uh, what uh, screw goes in what hole. And, and we're trying to figure out what bolt goes on what screw. And, and we're trying to figure out, you know, and Brother Josh does the, uh, a great job. I'm not saying the best he can. I'm talking about he has saved us, I'm telling you, tens of thousands, tens of thousands of dollars and I thank God for him he gets out there but can I tell you what we've already got him saddled up so tight that he can't squeak so we need we need somebody to help when it comes to the bus ministry oh you say I'm a lady what could I do we need typists at the church people know how to type well and spell too there's a place for you we're always needing soul winners. You say, but preacher, you know, I don't know what I'm doing in leading people to Christ. Well, that's why we're here. Amen. You know, many times on, because everybody's always delegated out, many times on a Saturday, uh, I wind up going by myself. You know why? Uh, simply because uh, uh, everybody's tied down with somebody else. I've got several men in this church, several men, uh, several men sitting be behind me even, good soul winners, know what they're doing. Uh, know, know how to talk to somebody about Christ. They'd be honored if you just wanted to tag around and, and you say, I don't know what I'm doing. Well, just go and listen. That, that sure does help them to have fellowship with somebody else instead of talking to themselves and looking in the mirror all the time. They're going to get pulled over eventually. <laughs> now, I'm saying this. I'm saying that, uh, you know, find your place to serve. There's a place to serve. Uh, there's a place to serve in the orchestra. There's a place to church. We, we have five junior churches that go on roughly. And can I tell you, there's places to serve. Some of you young preacher boys saying, I'm wanting to preach. I'm wanting to preach. You can preach on the bus route. We've got two nursing homes. You can preach in a nursing home. Uh, uh, we've got five junior churches. You can preach in a junior church. Hey, you can go out and get yourself uh, uh, some type of uh, a place just to gather people and preach to them in the parks. You know how many parks we have here in the Dallas Metro? When you do, tell me. I don't know. But it's a bunch of them. And so you can go out in the parks and preach in the parks. You can go to the nursing home and love people and help them. Now, I'm saying this. Uh, fix your eyes on God's promises. Find a place to serve. Uh, you know, I, now, and this is true. It's true. It's true. We have several guys in this room sitting right here under the pitch of my voice that has pastored before, and you can attest that this is true. If a person comes to church and they get involved, you never have to worry about them going someplace else. But if a person does not come and get involved, then you always wonder where they're going. 
Now, I'm not saying you have to teach a Sunday school class. You could help to clean the auditorium when we dismiss. That's involvement. You could arrive early and, and we need greeters. Oh, I want some husbands and wives. Oh, please, if you'll do this for me, I'll shake your hand in a big way. But we, we need people that will be greeters that will greet people when they come in those front doors. I could use some ladies and some men that's not married. Uh, be greeters. I could get Brother Salazar to train you. He's an expert. Amen. You know, and, and greet people when they come in. You know, it, it, uh, eventually I'd like to get greeters outside to be able to greet people when they get out of their cars. To greet people and say, howdy, God bless you. We're glad you're here. Greeters. You say, there's nothing for me to do. We need people to help clean the buses uh, and, uh, and, and get them ready for special events. Oh, we need people to come up and uh, uh, I've got so much stuff that it's, it's becoming chipped. Because people, you know, they rub up against it or they, you know, that husband's always pushing his wife in the corner. No, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. But, but, uh, but we have places that are chipped and stuff like that. And I need people to come up and just paint. Now, prefer we people that know how to paint. But use your talents for God. You say, well, I'm busy all the time. What are you doing being busy for God? Our young people, I uh, have a question for you. What are you going to do for God? You say, well, I'm in the youth department. I'm serving on a bus route. What are you going to do when you get out of the youth department? What are you going to do when you graduate? Are you just going to say, well, I tell you what, I'll serve God until I get out of the youth department. Then no more God for me. I mean, what are you going to do? You know so much Bible, couldn't you teach a Sunday school class? Amen. You know so much Bible, couldn't you make a visit? And I'm just telling you how it is. Unless you get locked in somewhere then you don't have a purpose to come. The people that are not locked in become unfaithful people most of the time. Most of the time. Because they don't have a purpose in order to come. They have nothing to do. So, you know, they'll come in late for a service. Why? Because it's not important to them. They're not locked in. Uh, you know, they, they won't show up on a Wednesday night or they won't show up uh, on, for Sunday school. They come and they hit it and they miss it. Why? They're not locked in. Now, God ought to be so important to you that you lock yourself in somewhere. Find something to do. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, the Bible says, I beseech you. The word beseech means beg. I beseech you, therefore, brother, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, it says that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So there needs to be a place where you lock in. Uh, I'm not going to show up to go to work for some business I'm not in, employed by. Doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. Uh, I, I'm not going to go down to McDonald's and all of a sudden I see the trash needs to be taken out. And I say, oh boy, they need my help. I'm going to take out the trash. No, 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 I don't work at McDonald's. So I don't have a personal investment or personal interest in McDonald's. Uh, but this is your church. Now it's the church of the living God. Don't get so technical on me. But, uh, but this is where you attend. This, this is a place you ought to be proud of. 
This is a place when you see there's paper out there on the front lawn. When you see that there's toilet paper needed, uh, don't say, well, you know, somebody needs to take care of that. Oh, stop it. Uh, you know, uh, uh, help out with stuff, all right? Uh, make this place what it ought to be by you doing your part. Find yourself a place to serve. Uh, statement number next. I, well, I said statement number one, uh, forget the past. Uh, I'm talking about tearing down walls. Statement number two, forgive others of personal pains. You get hung up in those two areas, you never move forward, and you'll always be a sad Christian. You'll always be a sad Christian. I can tell you tonight, uh, honest, uh, from the back of this pulpit, I have ought towards no man, and I am right with God. I'm not saying that in a braggadocious way. I'm saying that in a factual manner. Now, I'm saying this, uh, forget the past, forgive others of their personal pains. Statement number next, take those, uh, uh, we'd call them old gray stones up in Maryland. Take those old gray stones up in Maryland. You remember that Jonah? Where's Jonah at? You remember that old gray stones up there in Maryland? And then uh, take those out from that old barn and uh, put them down and, and lay them down there for people to walk upon and people to step upon. Fix your eyes on God's promises. Uh, find a place to serve. And lastly, I say this, follow God's precepts. Now, what is a precept? A precept is a general rule that regulates your behavior. A precept is a general rule that regulates your behavior. So go in your Bible and find God's precepts. The Bible says, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1, the Bible says, wherefore laying aside all malice and all guile and all it says hypocrisies and envyings and all evil speakings. Then it says how to behave as newborn babes. Desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. If so, it says be ye, it says have uh, tasted. Now watch this. It says have tasted that the Lord uh, is uh, gracious. Now when you taste of the Lord, you're going to find out every single time he's gracious. Oh, now don't get cocky and don't get arrogant, dear friend. You know, God begins to use you in some significant or some um, way. Don't think it's about you. Remember where you came from and remember what you deserve. Remember how good God's been to you. He's not using you because of you. He's using you because of him. And you're allowed to have a part. So I'm saying follow God's precepts. Uh, he said there's some things to lay aside. Then he says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. Don't ever think, well, I tell you what, I don't need to read my Bible anymore because after all, preacher, I've already read it at least one time in my life. No, always desire the sincere milk of the word. The milk of the word. Uh, I... I uh, I, uh, Brother Weslowski meets with me and does a good job in helping with some of the campaign layouts and things of that nature, and people help him too. And uh, he came to my office, and I went down, and Karen was working in uh, Miss Cavanaugh's office, and she does a good job in helping out with her Spanish department and typing up things for Brother Whitfield and does a super job there. And so I walked in, and I tried to find a cup. I wanted to get a cup of coffee, but I didn't want to get a cup of coffee for me. I wanted to get a, cu a cup of coffee for Brother Weslowski. 
And so I go walking in there, and I couldn't find any cups anywhere. And I said, oh, okay, I've got some down in the office. And so I went back down to the office where I uh, am and uh, got a cup and brought it down and fixed him a nice cup of coffee. Now, it was uh, uh, Brother Walter's got us some Starbucks stuff that is, uh, goes in the, uh, the, the curé. And so I, I got that and put it in the, uh, in the machine and pressed the button. It was a lot of work, I tell you. And uh, uh, put it in there and pressed the button and waited for it to ding. And then so it ding. And so I knew it was time that it was going to run the water through and uh, I was going to get him a good cup of coffee. And I got him a cup of coffee and I gave him a cup of coffee and I said, this is because I love you. You've done a marvelous job and I appreciate you doing a good job. Now, uh, you know, now that coffee might not have meant much to him, but it meant a lot to me in giving it to him. And I'm telling you, one thing I think that's helped our church, Brother Bachman, is the fact that our people have caught on to this thing. You learn to appreciate people. You just learn to come, come out. Stop, stop this thing. Please, I beg you, stop this thing. Stop this thing about it being you. It's not you. And just learn to love. Well, they're not where they ought to be. Well, maybe three years ago, you weren't either. But somebody loved you. And somebody helped you. I don't want our church to ever get snooty. I don't want our church to always, uh, to, to, to ever be a church where you're hooked on yourself. It ought never to be that way. It ought to be that you're looking out for your brother more than you're looking out for yourself. It ought to be where you're always looking out for somebody else's best interest. You're not looking out for your interest. But you're looking at how to encourage somebody. You're looking at how to help somebody. You're looking at, you know, sometimes I, from time to time, I, I, I do. I have to call somebody in my office and say, can we talk? And I want to help you. I see something in your life that uh, you really just need to give attention to. And I try to do that in such a way. I'm not trying to hit them on the head. It's because I love them and I want them to get God's blessings on their life. And I'm trying to help them. Hello. All right, now I'm saying this. I'm saying that uh, uh, follow God's precepts. Follow God's precepts. As you follow God's precepts, you're going to find out that you're able to get to know Christ even better. There are some things that we can knock down. My daddy, one time, I told this story here about a year and a half ago. My daddy learned to use dynamite when he was about four years old. I'm kidding. But my daddy, sometimes, my daddy knew how to wire houses. Uh, uh, Brother Travis, my daddy knew how to wire houses. And so my daddy, from time to time, would go, and there'd be a neighboring farm, and they needed some wiring done. And, uh, and so my daddy, my daddy would say, I'll, I'll take care of that for you. And, uh, and he would always do it this way. It was called bartering back then. And he'd always do it this way. He said, I'll tell you what, I'll wire your house for a side of beef. Or I'll wire your house for a whole cow. And then, of course, we'd get it and process it and put it in the freezer and then have good food, uh, good meat all winter long and stuff. But my daddy knew how to wire some houses. And so I never will forget. I just never will forget it. There was this house, and he could not figure out how to get the wire uh, to go up to the second floor. It was in the basement, and, but, it, but it was an open basement. You're sitting on the side of a, of, a, of a hill, sort of like a little mountain there. And so I, he couldn't figure out how to do it. He said, Mike, I've got the idea. I've got the idea. He said, uh, I've used dynamite before. I think it'll work. Now, he didn't say, I know it'll work. He said, I think it'll work. 
And I said, well, Daddy, how much do you know? He said, I said, how much do you know to put in there and not put in there? He said, well, if I put too much in there, it's not going to work. <laughs> he said, they're probably going to get mad at us. He said, but I think if I just put uh, just enough in there, just to blow the rock out a little bit, then, uh, and, 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 but enough that not so much that it makes the, you know, the floor collapse. He said, then I think we've got it made. I said, well, okay. He said, have you ever lit dynamite before? I said, no, sir. He said, today's your day. I said, you want me to light it? He said, yeah, I want you to light it. You can run faster than I can. And he said, we've only got a short fuse. He said, I left the long one back at the house. And so when you light that, here's what I suggest you do. You run as fast as you can and don't trip and get out of that basement. Now, I was only, oh, I don't know, nine or 10 or so. And, 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 and I said, yes, sir. I mean, what are you going to say? You say, no, sir. I mean, that would not be good going home. And so I said, yes, sir. And he said, now, let me show you how to light this. And he had a, uh, he had a lighter, you know, uh, one of those big lighters. And so he had a lighter. He said, now, you just, you do it this way. He said, practice it a little bit because you could, you could really mess this up. And you get hurt and mom would be mad at me. He said, so, so just, just, you know, you practice lighting that thing like that. I said, okay. I, and so I practiced lighting it like that. And I said, is that, is that about it? He said, yeah. He said, I think you got it. He said, I'm going to put it right in here. And it only had a little fuse. I don't know about that long it wasn't very it wasn't like you know you light it and say look at it for a while I mean it's it's like you light it and you, you're gone and so and so I, I I made sure my pathway was all lit and stuff like that and uh, and he said light it boy he always called me boy he said light it boy and I was scared to death but I lit that thing, and I hightailed out of there. I mean, I ran as fast as I possibly could, breaking all American records. I, I lit that thing, and I, I got out of there as quick as I possibly could, and I went outside, and I was really disappointed. Nothing collapsed. I, I mean, I was, I'm a kid. I, I wanted to see the house fall. <laughs> I mean, I'm just being honest with you. I just wanted to see the house collapse. I mean, you know, because you've seen these buildings falling down like in New York City and stuff like that. And I thought, man, it'd be so neat. I like that thing and run outside and what, boom. And all of a sudden, you know, and it just collapsed. Then my dad be looking at, I got to tell mama, you know, and stuff like that. But, you know, I'm saying that to say this. I'm saying that when that did take place and we went in and we cleaned up all the mess and, uh, and uh, the people came home and it was all wired up, we had this a stack of gray stones that had come out in slabs. And uh, he asked the man, he said, look, he said, can we have those? And the man said, oh, I don't care what you do with them. And he said, well, you know, the farm's not too far away where, uh, where uh, both of us had, of course, connections there. He said, I'd like to take them over to the farm. And he took them over to the farm. You know what dad did? Here's what dad did. Dad took other pieces of other people's messes, purposely brought them into his life so that he could help somebody else. Amen. And I thought, that's a marvelous thing. Yeah. So he would go around and he would grab somebody else's problem and he would grab somebody else's problem and he would grab somebody else's problem and he would bring it into his life and he would create a masterpiece 
of just helping other people. And can I tell you, that's what you should be doing. Oh, but you know, I'm having, I'm having so much trouble. Oh, you ought not look at your trouble. You ought to look at somebody else's trouble and try and help them. Father, help us to be good Christians. Thank you for joining us today. For more audio or video content, you can visit our website at parksidebaptist.org.